Greetings, Amigops, and top teners everywhere. Welcome back to Top 10 with Kyle and Mike. This week, as he is every week, Mike is opposite me. We are going to discuss a topic. I happen to know what the topic is this week. We're going to rank a top 10 of that topic. We're going to debate it vigorously until we have a definitive version of that list. So what are we doing this week, Mike? All right, dog. We're joined here by friend of the pod and friend of us, co-host Alex. So Alex, as you know, and the listeners don't, joined us as well as longtime girlfriend Caroline and future co-host of the pod, Jerry, my dad, (laughs) for the Arctic Monkeys show in Boston last week. It was a joyous event, and I think probably fair to say the culmination of years of waiting for this group. We had discussed years ago that when and if the the monkeys toured in the States that we would just have to figure it out and do it. And it happened and we went. It was great. You're damn right it did. And we were able to mash together a very odd combination of people who matter to all of us. Yeah. I didn't I didn't expect Jerry to have such a fandom of the monkeys, but I'm very glad he was there. Yeah, I gave him I gave him a lot of homework <laughs> and he listened to a lot of it and he 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 appreciated it. I think his take also on their new music was similar to yours. He was much more partial <laughs> to kind of the AM monkeys. But it was interesting for me in this experience to see how my different friends have taken to different portions of the Arctic Monkeys collection. Because <sighs> Caroline is kind of into more of the softer Arctic Monkeys work. My dad likes the pretty kind of straight rocky stuff a little bit like you do, but you and Alex have much more of an affinity for the early stuff than I do. Like the look on Alex's face when some of the like whatever people say and that's what I'm not or whatever you yeah. say. Like that was what gave you the most joy, I think. Oh yeah. <laughs> every yeah. <laughs> and you had Alex, you had such a boner for I <laughs> think like every song that came on that you weren't immediately sure which one it was, you were like is this certain romance? Like, you, <laughs> yeah. Like, you have a certain romance for oh. for that era of their music, for sure. Yeah, it's charming. It's the new stuff. It just confuses me. Well, we'll we'll discuss in depth the difference between the albums. I'm sure. I think a disclaimer for people listening to this pod: if you're not a big Arctic Monkeys fan, I think you could probably still get a lot out of this this podcast, what I would recommend and what we're going to do is, is tweet out a playlist of their set list and other songs that we probably wish would have made the set list. So if you want, give that a listen and see if you like it, do it. will go through. And I think there's still probably value to be had out of, out of listening to this pod, even if you're not intimately familiar with their work. Absolutely. As we found out at the show, you are equally likely to be a fan. If you are a 13 year old girl, or if you are a, Maybe not equally as likely. You know, you're like, probably... I would say you're significantly more likely to be an Arctic <laughs> Monkeys fan, apparently, if you're a little on the younger side. I felt... That's the oldest I've ever felt. How do you think Jerry <laughs> felt? Alex... I think Alex said the average age in that place was 12, except when Jerry was there. It brought up to 13. <laughs> and there were like 20,000 people in that yeah. arena. One girl was like... We were on the escalator, and this one girl was just cracking up. I don't know if you saw it. But oh, it yeah, she was, yeah. She, she was, was into that. Reaction. It was great. <laughs> I really didn't expect that. It, it kind of took me took me by surprise. Yeah, but, but in all seriousness, as far as people liking the Arctic Monkeys goes, the thing that I love about the Arctic Monkeys, and I think this is a big reason why I'm also such a huge fan of Bruce Springsteen, is that depending on your mood, depending on your stage of life, what's going on, who you are, you can kind of find anything you like. Like 
a lot of people say, oh, I don't like Bruce Springsteen because I don't like Born in the USA. Well, I don't know. Do you like jazz and sort of like funk music? Listen to his early stuff. Do you like rock? Listen to later stuff. Do you like early 90s soft rock? Listen to his late 80s stuff. Like there's so many, there's so much different stuff. And that's what the Arctic Monkeys are great for too, is that early punk sound does not sound anything like the lounge music of the last album, does not sound anything like the rock music of AM or, you know, Shouldn't, sort of the new wavy stuff before that. It shouldn't surprise anyone that they're all 13 year olds because now that I think about it, I was like that age when I discovered the Arctic yeah. Monkeys. Like that was middle school. I first learned about them. And yeah, like fluorescent adolescent, that's 10 years old. I know. That's, that's crazy. crazy. They've right? been putting out music for such a long time. Oh yeah, yeah. That's at least. And what's cool old. about them and, and what's good about any great band is that like you said, Mike, they've managed to change their sound each album and yet if you turn on any Arctic Monkey song, it's definitively them. Yeah. They've got to manage to keep something distinct about their oh, music yeah. while they're, changing it up so much. They're like the ELO of our age. When I hear ELO, yeah. I'm like, I don't need to know what the ELO to know that it's ELO. When I hear the music playing, I'm like, that's them. Yeah, and that's. I think that was definitely what the major thing that that opening act that played. I, what did they play? 47 songs, I think. They the mini mansions. Was it? Was it like <laughs> the mini mansions? The mini mansions. <laughs> they wouldn't stop playing music. They. It was the longest opening act I think in the history of opening acts. Do you remember in um in planes, trains, and automobiles the opening scene when they're in that advertising oh, yeah. exec's exactly. office? Yeah, and he he keeps like ah, and he leans forward <sighs> and he's about to say something. And then he leans back. <sighs> that is such a perfect comparison. I just wish it would end. <laughs> but the thing was, they actually had a good sound, but each different song didn't have anything to do with the previous one. My dad had that great text describing <laughs> what he thought they were. It was a confusing mishmash, and that is decidedly not the Arctic Monkeys. They are wonderful and have a very consistent sound in spite of all of their experimentation. Yep. So anyways, that's enough preamble. We're yeah. going to rank the, the top ten songs that they played not necessarily their 10 best songs that'd be a very different list the 10 that i guess were performed best or we enjoyed most at this particular concert on this particular night yeah and so i am sort of i guess nominally in charge of the list so there are a few that i think probably rank higher on my list than others because i happen to really like these songs but we'll discuss. So I'll just kind of give this listen structure, I think, is probably the way to think about it. So clocking in at number 10, I really loved their rendition of Don't Sit Down Because I Moved Your Chair. So oh, man. I had been checking out the set list ahead of this. And worth noting, ours was a little bit different than what they've been playing the last few weeks. I knew that Don't Sit Down was going to be played. It did not disappoint. That is a rocker. That is a hell of a song. It kicks ass. And for me... It would probably rank higher because it was the first song they played, I believe, that I knew exactly what it was right from the opening yeah. chord. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like heavy. There's some serious power chords in there. Oh, yeah. it, like it really got me in the mood. I've only heard that song like once. And so I it, yeah, I mean I was expecting is it in, is it in the newest album or no which? no that's uh this is from was it is it humbug is this one from humbug? no it's this from suck it and see oh which is not nearly as lewd as you think it is no no what the American censors misunderstood that what'd you say what year was that 2011 so uh, that's the album just before, before AM okay so that's Super the one underrated yeah that's the album that it is a criminally underrated album that's the one when they start transitioning like more decidedly from the punky new wavy sound to the rock sound mm. to immediately no. be traded for the david bowie sound 
There's very little folk, and there's very, like, yeah. some of their, like, softer stuff sounds almost a little folky at times. Yeah. This is definitely, like, a transition into, like, rock pop. Yeah. That's, it definitely happens in Suck It and See. I, that's my, and this, you can tell which, like you said, I lean heavily towards their more modern rock stuff. And so, like, AM's my favorite album, and Suck It and See is definitely my second favorite. Yeah. For that reason. But, and this was a great rendition of a great song. Really enjoyed it. Like you said, it brought the heat. Finally hearing him say live, do the Macarena in the Devil's Lair. Yeah. <laughs> It's just, so happy. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the other stuff he says, and it's not coming on, but all the ridiculous things that he like proposes in that song. Doing the Macarena in the Devil's Lair is one of my favorites. Especially because he says, do the Macarena. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll say this again later, but one of my favorite things about seeing shows live is seeing the places where the artist decides to sing things a little differently than they do on the album. To me, it's a little disappointing when you get to a show and it sounds exactly like it does on the album. Yeah. And he, he did that a little bit in this song and, and a lot of other ones too. But fortunately, he said Macarena exactly like he does in, on the album. He also said <laughs> shite many times and it sounded just like when he says shite on his albums. Talking the same shit. I don't, if you don't know their song already in advance, it's really hard to follow along with it. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, you, you cannot <laughs> sing along to any of their songs if you don't already know. No. The song. I mean, th- that's true. The title of this song is Don't Sit Down Cause I've Moved Your Chair. That's eight words. <laughs> and I looked up, I, so I looked at a couple of these songs that I've just, I've always kind of wondered what the hell they were about. This one, I guess, when he was doing that movie Submarine or whatever, I think Yellow Submarine or Submarine. It's like a about a uh, kid who loves the Beatles, I think. Uh, and somebody he somebody was saying something about like, what's the worst thing you could do? And he's like, could move your chair. And then <laughs> he's just like decided to write a song. Don't sit down because it moved your chair. It's crazy what inspires people. Yeah, and then just writes all these random things like doing the Macarena in the Devil's Lair. Oh man. If you don't listen to any other song, well, I I won't say that. If you just want to listen to kind of a fun, funny, like this is a funny song. Yeah. Sounds like he just like made a, he just used a word, a random word generator and it's just like put a word, it's like rhyme with this word, click, and then he just put together those lines. It sort of feels that way at times. But so that's a great one. Number nine is a song off the new album that I did not expect to hear and which I really enjoyed, which is Bad Phone. So, I love the song Bad Phone and have been listening to it nonstop since the out, since the concert. But before that, it just, it hadn't totally clicked for me. Mm. I really enjoyed the rendition of this song. Which one is this? This is the, I'll be by the bat phone. I can't say, uh, you know, that it's like, yeah. it's the one where he says bat phone a lot. Oh, uh, yeah. the one with bat phone. Yeah. The one where he says the glow of your low lights numerous times. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he says, I like this one because this whole album is, and you and I have kind of had this discussion separately, which is whether this album is primarily like a moon concept album or <laughs> primarily a lounge concept album, because they're both, it's both. But my, my take is this is primarily a lounge concept album where he's sort of imagining himself as a douchey or older version of himself. And this song is great because it's, the bat, the concept of the bat phone is pretty, was pretty popular on the show Entourage, where like the douchiest character in television history, Ari Gold, has this bat phone, which is if it ever rings, he always answers it no matter what, because it's an important call. And he's like, Alex Turner is singing about like talking over a bucket of balls and 
the bat phone. And it's just like all of these corporate bullshit things that you know he doesn't he doesn't believe in, but like he's he's singing about being afraid of turning into that, I feel like. Yeah. This whole <laughs> This we've talked we did have this conversation, a pretty lengthy one off air, about how like artists tend to screw themselves when they release an album like am that's just amazing start to finish and not only is amazing start to finish but is instantaneously and almost universally popular yeah it's like how do you follow that up yeah this tranquility base hotel and casino is a lot of songs like this that are just kind of confusing and feel like he's just kind of fucking around because he is yeah it's it's interesting i'm increasingly interested in trying to figure out whether they're following the Kanye West trajectory because it kind of feels like it. When you look at their albums, it's like this early absolute hit, like just out of nowhere hit album. And then the kind of finding ourselves for a couple of years, figuring out our sound. And then the My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy slash AM. This is like a revelation. This is one of the great albums that's ever come out. And then the next album is this really divisive, weird thing like Yeezus or like Tranquility Base. And I don't know. We'll see where it goes next. Pull the Yoko Ono, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm optimistic, but I will say that I, I'm i not a big fan of their most recent album, but seeing it performed live yes. has really helped. And that was how I felt like, about Bad Fun specifically, because you got to hear him do that sort of crooning noise that he does so well. Like, he's got a great set of pipes. It sounded so good live. I really enjoyed Bad Phone. Well, and if you're talking about crooning, like, he literally wasn't on the piano for almost any of the show. Like, yeah. he was just he was just standing with his stand-up mic and, like, swaying back and forth for a lot of the songs off yeah. of this album. Which kind of, yeah, sold that image again. Yeah. All right, so number eight was The Closer, a song that I've never really loved for some reason, Mm. but seeing it live changed my mind. Are You Mine? Are You Mine? I've always liked it, because it's it's objectively an excellent song, but it just, for whatever reason, I don't know, it's just never totally connected with me, but seeing it live was was an experience. I think it's funny, because this is one of the songs... Every album has a song like this that is billed as, if not, like, the best song on an album, like, the second best. Mm-hmm. And and there, to me, is, like, actually probably the fourth, fifth, sixth best song on the album. Yeah, you and I like both this, know what the best song in that album is. Oh, it's not even close. No. <laughs> well, it's... It's, it's, it's a, close. There's other good ones. Yeah, that's a tough it's, one. But... We there's a clear number one. This yeah, I I completely agree. Like this song for me, like kind of slips a little bit when I think of the great songs off this album. But it's indisputably a great song. Yeah, and I think the correct one to close with because it's also a banger. That is definitely it. Doesn't fit the Tom Haverford definition of a banger because it doesn't have enough drops. Yeah. But by our definition, by the definition of a concert of all 14-year-old girls, this is a banger. It left me feeling good. Yeah. It it ended the concert on a very pleasant, good-feeling note. Agreed. Yeah. So, Are You Mine? So, number seven was a song that I also did not expect to hear. Yeah, same. And that I love. Like, one of my all-time favorite Arctic Monkeys songs, Do Me a Favor. Mm. I 
love that song. I, there's to me, there's just few lines that are better than "Do me a favor and break my nose." Like, I just, <laughs> I don't know. It's just such a good song, like about kind of being a shitty boyfriend. Yeah, and like this is he says like he's worried about spoiling the surprise and taking her hands off of her eyes too soon. Like, I just, I love that. It, it's such a good song, and it played so well. It took me a little while to recognize what it yeah, was. same. Because I, I had looked at those set lists and didn't expect it to be played, and it sort of felt somewhat separate from the rest of this set list, but in a really great way, because a couple of those slow songs, and we'll get to a couple of my favorites uh, yes. shortly, but <laughs> there is there is a stretch in that uh, sort of like the favorite worst nightmare through humbug stretch where there's a couple really great slow songs that really are worth hearing and this changed up the pace of the concert really nicely yeah that's one of those songs that like i feel like when i was listening to a lot of their older albums i would always recognize that song it's like i like this song but it just always fell in between like all the other songs that i liked way more but hearing this one live it just it caught it also caught me by surprise and yeah it was great it was not much of a banger though but like no but like like i would consider it archetypal that's the word i'm looking for like a prototype of arctic arctic monkey song yeah the writing i mean this is this is that's what alex turner is known for is his writing and this is such a well-written song yeah this is nice because if you didn't know this song and i'm less intimately familiar with their older stuff than you are so i actually like you said alex i listened to a lot of their stuff on shuffle and this song always comes up and i always recognize it but i don't know all the words and (laughs) because it's a little slower you can actually sit and listen to it and appreciate it in real time yeah because like there are other songs on their set list that were faster that i didn't know as well and it was just like good luck (laughs) you know seriously like think about like Teddy Picker. Like you're, mm. I mean, you're never gonna pick the words out of that one. Nah. But this is one that it, it serves it up to you on a platter in a really nice way. Yeah, and I think I can't think of another band whose writing I prefer more than the Arctic Monkeys. They're so, I'm. It's mostly Alex Turner. It's just it's all funny and like it kind of reminds me of it kind of reminds me of Beck. Do you guys listen to Beck? Like it's it's <laughs> you listen you listen to it and you're like some of this shit is so random like Beck Beck takes it to a, a completely different level where it's like this doesn't make sense yeah like Alex Turner it's random but it all like it all perfectly fits like his his descriptive yeah. talents are really great and obviously the way he says the things that he does oh, yeah. yeah well I think what's interesting is my my favorite musical writer this is no no surprise for anybody is Bruce Springsteen but what's interesting about Springsteen is that essentially all of his songs are in the first person taking on a persona and following sort of a storyline like he's very story driven it's like a very traditional plot structure in his songs and what he does with them is is interesting but it's, it's a plot like, like it's i went to vietnam things went wrong i came back there were no jobs now i'm angry like it that's a pretty pretty reasonable progression what i think alex turner does is he's more of like a stream of consciousness writer interesting in that it's oh it is always first person in the same way that bruce's are but they always take a really roundabout way of building up a perspective. But it's just, I think, just as effective as a as a story sort of concept. I don't yeah, know. I, that's a very deep way of looking at it. I'd never really thought about it. I never, I don't analyze it. I don't analyze the Arctic Monkey songs as deeply as you guys do. I always just think it's a 
conglomeration of random words that somehow fit together, and yeah. I like the way he says it. But you feel it, though. Like, <laughs> yeah, even there's... if you're not thinking about it, you feel it. You're like, even when I am hearing, do the Macarena in the Devil's Lair, like, for whatever reason, when that's taken in, con- in like, conjunction with the don't sit down because you moved your chair and all the rest of the goofy stuff that you're supposed to be doing in this song, you're like, I have a feeling. There's some some feeling is building in me that I'm not totally sure why it's building. Well, I think one thing about him that maybe is a little different than Bruce, and I I don't listen to nearly as much Bruce as you do, but like the wackiness of the yeah. way he describes things really, I, it makes you feel like you have a good sense of what he's thinking about. Yeah, and it feels totally. a little bit. It feels a little more he narrows it down, like deeply personal. Whereas I think Bruce's music you could listen to and apply it to yourself or like to a lot of other people. That's a good whereas, point. It's a when you listen community. to Alex. Yeah, whereas his is like, I feel like I'm in his head. Like, these are the random weird things that happen in my head, too, but he's articulating them for himself personally. Absolutely. Which is cool. Yeah, that's a really good distinction to draw. I think you're right about that. I I was thinking for a not top three, we could just talk about some songs that they didn't play that we kind of hoped they would. Yeah, well. We already have those three. (laughs) There's a couple of obvious ones. Yeah. I, I, Alex, you go ahead because yeah, that's a good concert. point. That's a very good point. <laughs> yeah. Alex is probably the right person to handle these. I mean, you guys, I obviously loved it, and so did you guys. But there is still like a tint of disappointment, or like I loved the closer of "Are You Are You Mine," but I was totally expecting to hear like at least one of "Fluorescent Adolescent" or "Marty Bum" or what's or both one? or both. <laughs> Those would be my top two, and presumably your guys' top two. A third. Kyle already mentioned it. Is I I just love a certain romance. It's like one of my favorite songs, and I didn't expect them to play that one. But had they, I would have. That would have been perfect for me. But those are. Was I supposed to do that? Was I supposed to name all three of them? No, right that's there? good. That's <laughs> yeah. I was actually stunned that they didn't play. I thought they might not play Marty Bum. I was stunned that they didn't play Fl- yeah. Fluorescent Adolescent. If you ask any random person if they know a Monkey song, this is the one that they know. And if this song comes on the radio, even if people don't know that it's the Monkeys. They can probably sing along to it a little bit. Yeah. It's the best they ever had. <laughs> now it's just a memory. It's just a memory. <laughs> That's all it is. <laughs> I would throw on there as well. I love AM so much. I was hoped, I was hoping they might play one for the road. Oh, or ooh. that would have been nice. And I, I really thought they might have played this one because it's a little slower. The number one party anthem. Oh, I really would. So that would probably be my number one song I would have wanted to hear acoustically. I yeah. would have really enjoyed hearing that one acoustically because we heard that we've watched that YouTube video countless times of them doing the it. Party anthem. Yeah. Oh, what are they doing? It's just them on like a radio show, and it's like it's like MTV unplugged, like something akin to that. And they're yeah, and it's just Alex Turner and uh, was it Nick the the drummer? And I was the beginning of a Gillian <laughs> Um, it's come out, come out, come out. Number one party oh, anthem. Okay, there right. you go. That's yeah. me singing. A certified mind blower. Yeah, yeah. It's that's coming back to me. Yeah, it's like searching from somewhere from which I might know or know him full well. I don't like that's just that's to just, get the ball to roll. roll. Oh, that's such a great line. Uh, drunken monologues, confused because it's not like I'm falling in love. You know the whole thing. That would have been cool to hear acoustically. That was high on my list. I would have liked to have heard That's Where You're Wrong. Mm. Caroline and I have agreed that's like the perfect closing song of anything. Like, it's just, it's such a perfect last song on So I couldn't see. <laughs> so I would have liked to have heard that. 
The other ones that you guys have mentioned, those are kind of the big ones. The biggest being Fluorescent Adolescent and Marty Bum. Yeah. People really know those songs. Agreed. And those would have fit well with the songs that kind of got the biggest reaction from the crowd, which I think could probably bring us to number six. Yeah. View from the Afternoon. Yeah. So that was, that was, I think, the second to last song that they played. And that it was in their encore. It was in the encore. That got, you know, you know what? I think you're right. It was, I think it was the third. I think it was the first song of the encore because they then played one of the Tranquility based songs in the middle, I right? I think they played Ultra Cheese in did, the encore yet. Did they no? play Ultra Cheese first or a second? I can't. Ultra, I think Ultra Cheese was the one that they brought that. They cube brought that out weird for. cube out uh, for, yeah. So, so that must have been first, then, right? Is Ultra Cheese higher on your list? Right. No, I, no, no. Ultra the, Cheese will not appear. That one, later. I remember that distinctly. It, well, the cube, the, the cube was it's, weird. <laughs> then let's talk about that fucking cube. Yeah. Like, what the hell? I don't, it was, it's cubular. Like, I when they were in their encore, they, everything was dark. You could see, like, yes. the roadies, like, bringing this, like, cube. It was like a cube. Imagine a cube resting on one of its points. It looks like the old Enron logo. It looks like... Right. And it was... You could see it in the dark, like, silhouetted, and it was spinning. And you were like, Whoa. what is this cube? Is it a giant die? Yeah. Is Oh, that would be perfect, because like, it's the casino. That's what I thought. Are, is it gonna like open up and like a bunch of live scorpions or, or flying <laughs> monkeys gonna come out? What's it gonna be? It's a fridge full of arctic monkeys, like something. And the lights come on and it's just like a, a relatively reflective gray cube. And it wasn't even- But what's the most important thing about the cube? It's bun. That's it, right? It's no. Part, it did it? How long was it there for? Like- one song, one song, wait, and then it was, and then wait, they wait, took I thought a, it was there the whole, the whole no, episode. and then they took no. like a twenty second break. It wasn't a you know five minutes interruption, but it was like a twenty second break really? to then wheel the cube back. It was mildly reflective. It wasn't even. Yeah. It wasn't like it was a disco ball. Okay, it had like some stripes on it that were fairly reflective, and it was spinning, and they had a light shined on it. So like. As it spun, the light would like rotate around the the arena, but it wasn't like a million lights. It was only two. It was really underwhelming, and I don't know. It kind of like, fits that that album for me. But <laughs> in the main, I found it confusing. Yeah, yeah. But luckily, the encore was not only Ultra Cheese. Oh yeah, the encore Sorry. included View from the Afternoon, which point. was set the crowd on fire. Another song I didn't expect to hear. Agreed. Was that the one that people started moshing? No. I was... I think we can get to that one yeah, a little was, bit later. later. Um, okay. <laughs> but I think that people may have brought the moshing back a little bit for this one because it's an earlier song of theirs. Fast uh, pace. Yes. So this was this was a good one. But I think that brings us to number five, which is mm. what you and I, Kyle, would agree is the best song off of AM. A song you and I have been waiting to hear live for years. A song which... While standing next to my longtime girlfriend, Caroline, I probably should have been thinking about her or singing it to her, but I didn't. I was thinking about you and singing it to you. We stared deep into each other's eyes as we sang the that c- our days end best when the sunset yeah. gets itself behind. Behind! That little lady sitting on the passenger side! Yes. Oh my god, what a banger. Arabella, a great tune. An absolutely wondrous tune. It's a massive tune, some might even argue. What's it mean? I have no idea, actually. It's just a lady's name. 
Really? Yeah, and the I've song, never met anyone named that. You probably haven't. There's not a lot of ladies who live in Boston named Arabella, but where, she's where got a they, 70s head. Yeah, but she's live? a modern lover. They, well, there is one that lives on Privet Drive, Arabella Fig, um, <laughs> Mrs. Fig, the cat lady <laughs> squib. Wow, yeah. that is a deep three knowing Miss Fig's first name. Yeah, so I, I don't really know where these Arabellas live, but they don't live in in our neighborhood. But that song is amazing. I think you and I are probably in agreement that the the high point of this song and like maybe the high point of Western civilization is the sequence <laughs> about Mexican cokes and <laughs> bottles and organic cigarettes. So is the when she wraps her lips around the Mexican coke? Yeah. To me, it sounds like he's making I think a, a fairly obvious reference to oral sex yeah is that what you got out of that yes it's a it's mexican a wiener coke. reference when he says she wraps her lips around the mexican coke and it makes you wish that you were the bottle oh yeah, it's bottle. A, yeah. all right yes yeah it's a wiener yeah. that's a wiener reference mm, yeah. takes a sip of your soul and it sounds like and then just yeah. Like yeah. that, it's the best musical representation of a beedger that I know of. And that is that <laughs> rivals that yeah. rivals with Candy Shop in terms of subtlety. Music. Like, yeah, oh, it's okay. very clear what's happening. <laughs> and yes, I think it's a pretty it's a pretty good, pretty self evident musical representation of of male pleasure. I think it's even better than Flo Rida's whistle. Ooh, yes, because that's... I don't think there's any part of that song where I'm emotionally sort of feeling like there's some whistling going on <laughs> i'll tell you standing next to you at that concert hearing this <laughs> hearing that little guitar solo i was right there beautiful yeah i love it so, <laughs> wonderful song on the album wonderful live and one that we've been wanting to check off for a long time so that was great faux show faux show number four is also a number one of my favorite all-time favorite oh, Arctic yes. Monkey songs. As I mentioned to you, the song I always listened to in college when I was coming back home, because it reminds me of going home, 505. Oh. So I've got... This, yeah, so you, you tell us about 505 for you. If you had to rank, like, maybe we will, if we ranked the best songs to listen to, like, at two in the morning while you're driving, yeah. alone in your car on a two-lane highway... yeah. This is way up there. Way up. <laughs> Open All Night by Bruce Springsteen is another good one. This song so perfectly captures the feeling of like a long day and just needing to be back somewhere that feels comfortable to you. Yeah. Oh my God. And like we, I know, I know that you probably expected it because you had been researching into the set list, but I didn't really actually expect this one to get played. I don't. This felt like to me a song that like I really loved, but that not maybe everyone else did. And I think a lot of people probably feel that way. Yeah. That it has a personal connection for them. Yeah. So what's interesting is I did a little bit of research today, actually, because I was curious where 505 is. And it turns out mm. 505 is not like a, a where. It's not an area code or anything. It's apparently sort of a code that was used in the gay community in the 70s and 80s. It was sort of like a, a code for like, oh, where are you going, 505? And it's like, oh, that's, you know, I'm gay. And wow. Was, yeah, so that was wow. that was an interesting new layer for this song because apparently some people at least theorize that this is a song about a man going to kill his boyfriend. Interesting. I don't know that I totally read it that way. That seems a little bit uh, like you're, we're reading a little too much into it. But I do think that the 
that that added layer seems like something that would interest Alex Turner, like making this not just about him, making this sort of like that look into his mind, but universalizing it a little bit by making oh, it about right. two guys. And I just love like the the line about, you know, like, you know, going like in my mind, like you got your your hands are on your thighs and like I'm trying to think of the line exactly like you're lying on your side with your hands between your thighs and it's just you just imagine yourself like going back to somebody you love and you just see them waiting there for you and that's what this song is all about and hopefully the song is not about going to see them in a violent sense maybe it is but I think it's definitely about like missing somebody and imagining them before you go to see them and then hoping that your expectations are met. That's how I, that's how I read into yeah. it. And not to sound too douchely, but that's one really spectacular thing about music is that yeah. you don't have to see it the same way that the totally. artist sees it. And I think the artist, most artists would tell you the same thing. Yeah. And this is just, it's just a great song and it, it was so good live, man. It was so good. This was one that they don't really have to change anything. Just sing it the way it's, it needs to be sung, and he did it. Yeah, and I also like that the song builds. It, yeah, it, it, it's first. It's really methodical, and it gets loud. I know it's that was something that struck me. Is I forgot how loud it gets in the middle, but hearing it live reminded me that it's like it's got a little bit of a banger in it in there. Beautiful song. I yeah, I was really happy they played that one. Yeah. All right. So number three, I don't, I don't think really, I don't really have honorable mentions. I mean, I yeah, I don't know. We could maybe just list like other songs that they did play that we wouldn't put in our top 10 i guess not my top 10 i really liked why'd you only call me when you're high because it's an amazing song and it sounded great big fan that sounded great i actually liked as uh, as sort of a joint honorable mention the tranquility based songs like four out of five was really good they opened with that right they opened with that tranquility based the 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 title track was really good i really liked watching him sing that i really liked because he's doing the hand movements (laughs) He's Mark, and he was doing hand motions the whole time. Yeah. Like, you know how when we go to a bar and we're just drinking heavily, and when you sing along the song, you use your body and your hands to basically narrate the song. Well, Sarah, Sarah pantomiming choking during Mr. Right. Brightside is like the the perfect expression of that. <laughs> exactly, but like the the idea of like of miming out a song as you dance to it, like. He was doing that the whole time, which is really fun to watch. Yeah, I really yeah. like that. Especially on this song mind. when he it says, was... Mark speaking, how may I direct your call? <laughs> like, when he was doing the phone, like, it was just funny. Yeah, he's, like, sort of looking away from the phone, like, sort of a distracted person on the phone. So that's kind of, those are the ones that I was thinking of. Did you have any others that you, you found, or do you just want to kind of... Play it safe in case I mention them in the top three. I'll play it safe. Okay. All right. So number three, <laughs> Kyle's got a look in his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so number three is one of their their most well-known songs, and there's no reason to complicate it. It's a great song, and it sounded great. Do I want to know? Do I want to know? This song really got the people going. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm. It absolutely did. This was, I think this was kind of, there was a stretch in there, which we'll, we'll get into a little bit more, but there was a stretch. I think we agreed about halfway through the show where they just grabbed the audience by the throat and, and they had us. They definitely, you have to turn up and turn down in the show. And I, I think maybe they could have been a little more intelligent about it, but holy crap, they had us for a stretch of like four or five songs here. And this was right in the middle of it. 
I really like that they knew that like people are gonna lose their shit for AM. Yeah. And they waited probably like six or seven songs to play a track off of AM. Yeah. And then when they did, it was Knee Socks. That yeah, was the first oh, yeah. song. Which like yeah. I'm surprised they didn't make this list. I love that. So the only reason Knee Socks didn't make this list is because I think we have an inordinate sort of love for knee socks like compared to your average person but we can talk about it but i agree it, yes they teased like us a little bit it's a great song but it's it's such a baller move to make <coughs> that the first to make you wait that long and then make that be the first track off of am yeah and but and i think do i want to know is then was when they were finally like okay here it is yeah and people lost it that was really clever i think the way they they spaced it out absolutely yeah all right, so number two is one of my favorite Arctic Monkey songs. I think it's probably their best written song. It was a song I wasn't sure we were going to hear, and it was so, so gratifying to hear it live. I, Caroline and I have been waiting to hear this one live for a long time. Cornerstone. This is a purely delight. I would. I just listened to it yeah. before we started this because I knew we would be talking about it. <laughs> just to fill everybody in, it's like it's written. Like, he's speaking to his ex. Yeah. And he meets all these girls that, like, could have been her sister or, like, could have been your ghost. Like, all these girls that look just like her. And it goes really well for him when he meets this girl until he asks if he can call her by her name, by call her by your name, and then things don't go so well for him. Yeah. It's until the end of the song. And so it kind of, that's what the cleverness of this is. The song is like three minutes and you get this story. You see this guy just wandering around bars looking for the girls who are like the girl he really loves, his ex, and asking to call them by her name and them having some reaction or other. And then finally he sees her sister in Cornerstone and he saw that she was on her own, thought she might understand. (laughs) She was close. That you couldn't get much closer. He knows he's really not supposed to. Or she knows she's really not supposed to. But yes, you can call her anything you want. <laughs> oh, man. And it's just like this, just a mic drop end to a song. He did it perfectly. And then I love this touch. After he finished that song, he goes, anything? <laughs> anything? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like a kid in the back of class funny. making a snide remark about what the teacher said, but it's like, he's <laughs> making a snide remark about what he wrote ten years ago. Yeah. And it was very self-aware. The song was incredible. I was so, it was just, I was transported. God, I love that song. He was really good. <laughs> I think, I think I favorite, and it's the same, like, what I was saying before, how he kind of, like, I think introduces like really personal notes. Like yeah. I feel like he says, I thought I saw you in the parrot's claw or like a parrot's be- like the bar is called like the parrot's beak or something, yeah. which like, you know, is an actual bar that he hung out at. Absolutely. Probably. Playing with the smoke alarm. Like yeah. what the fuck? It's so close <laughs> that the walls were wet. Like you can be, you can imagine yourself <laughs> in one of those bars where the walls actually sweat. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's brilliant. That song is just so good. And it was so well performed live. And I loved the little ad libs. He had a couple that he ad libbed a little bit. And then obviously the ending note with like the anything was just, it made it. It was, it was great. And you had told me when the mini mansions were still playing that you were really looking forward and hoping that they would play this one. So it felt like a, a nice, uh, a nice thing for you there. I was yeah. happy. Absolutely. For all of us, for all of us, but especially for you. Thanks, dog. All right. So number one, there could only be one. I have rarely seen 
an audience lose their shit the way they lost their shit for this song. Like I saw Alex and I saw people lose it for Mr. Brightside when we saw the killers, like people went crazy for that. I've seen people listening to Rosalita and born to run and these like great Bruce songs. And I don't know that I've ever seen such a concentrated group of people lose it the way everybody lost it. This was the mosh pit. Yeah. The mosh pit was crazy when, when I bet you look good on the dance floor. It's crazy to me. I, you know, I like this song, but it's like, I, wouldn't have pegged it as like the best song that they like. I wouldn't have pegged it as like the best performance going into the night. Yeah. And then it just brought out the crowd. It's so frenetic yeah. from start to finish. It like, it just puts you in a fervor. And like, I've seen whirlpool mosh pits form before, but they're slow forming like a whirlpool. Yeah. I looked down and people were running in circles, like pushing each other around. Like, it was crazy how fast it happened. They did look good on the dance floor. They did. It's the, <laughs> and the thing that you forget when you haven't listened to the song a little bit is it's over as soon as it begins. Like that's, yeah. that song is like two and <laughs> two a half minutes, minutes yeah, of not- just complete insanity. And I, I couldn't believe it. The people lost their crap. That was towards the end, wasn't it? Uh, I want to say it was in the middle somewhere. I think this was during that, that like that golden run in yeah. the middle. It was when they were playing like the bangers off of AM and they threw this in there. Like they lather, they lathered us up and then they hit us with this and people were, were feeling it. Yeah. That was probably the, that was the, that was the peak of the concert. That was. Yeah. It was, it was not a peak that you can sustain because we'd all would have, I mean, somebody would have died in that mosh pit. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's a good thing it's such a short song. Yeah. But holy crap. That was, I mean, and all the like just enjoy of the crowd aside, it sounded great fucking great it was awesome sounded really good (sighs) yeah the the only other ones i wanted to to mention were you you said it earlier but teddy picker i really like that song yeah i enjoyed that a lot kids want to make it whatever that means yeah and this is one of my personal favorites i was kind of surprised they played it crying lightning and they played it really early yeah so really love those songs wanted to shout them out I don't think we have to go crazy re-ranking this. No. Or if we need to at all. I think, I mean, unless you guys, like, want to beat me up on one, then I think we should just, we can let it be. Oh, I think I'm in agreement. Yeah. You put together a good list here, and though Alex and I love the monkeys, you are the authority on them, so. Well, this is, this is very much a communal thing. My love of the Arctic monkeys stems, well, I would say it probably stems from heartache originally, but then it, it it was it was planted in heartache and then watered by the communal love of of this group right here, you guys, and then longtime girlfriend Linus and our our newest fan Jerry. <laughs> and I will say that I <laughs> flew out to Boston. Yeah. Yes. He got yeah. there. <laughs> or landed basically as the show was starting. Rushed over. Needn't have worried. Because the mini mansions were gonna play for an hour. Wow, man, they <laughs> friggin' mini mansions just kept playing. And then I, in order to make it back for another concert, I had to leave the next day at like eleven in the morning. So I was in Boston, like significantly shorter than twenty-four hours. Yeah, and it was kind of a pain in the butt. And seeing this show with you guys was so unquestionably worth it. Yeah. So I'm really really happy we had this experience and would recommend to anyone out there to go see the arctic monkeys they put on a hell of a show damn straight yeah i thought i was gonna have a boner for the arctic monkeys after this pod but instead i have a boner for our friendship yeah
I hope they have like a All classics right. tour just so that I can hear for us and Allison <laughs> and Marty Bum. <laughs> Alex will be okay. He'll recover one of these days. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Good work, buddies. I'm glad that we got to extend this experience into a podcast. Amen. Thanks, dog. All right. Peace. Alrighty, friends. That was our top 10 for this week, but now we'd love to hear your top 10. So please check us out on all of our available social media outlets, traditional outlets, whatever outlets we have. Check us out on Twitter at top10km. That's all spelled out, top10km. Our email, top10km, spelled the same way, at gmail.com. Or our site, top10km.podbean.com. All forms of communication accepted except for serial killer notes. Please don't send us any of those. If you like the pod, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never have to miss an episode of Top 10 ever again. If you didn't like it, please tell us why. We'll try to make the show better. Our theme music was composed by Kevin McLeod, and our artwork was created by Erin Sant. You can check out her stuff at Sant Design on Instagram. Alrighty, goons. We'll see you next week. I know you said I can just scrub it, but it sounded like you said I can just rub it. Mm. And I don't know. My brain went somewhere. But Okay. That's this, your person. You said 10 minutes. Oh, gross. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll be done. Oh, so you can just rub it. Um, <laughs>